Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a teaching with TBA rabbinic resident David Kaplinsky. Tonight we discussed and we wanted to take a look at the at Psalm 27, which is the psalm for the season. Uh, we've already been saying it for a number of weeks now. And, you know, it sort of starts up, Elul starts up, and we're just straight into Psalm 27 twice a day. But it's uh, it's often kind of uh, the quick end, because it comes at the end of the service, we do it quickly. Uh, we don't always have time to delve a little bit more deeply into it. And we want to, my, my goal here is for us to have a new understanding of why this psalm for, uh, for Elul and going through the season all the way to uh, through Shemini Atzeret. Um, now, there's a number of traditional ideas that we can uh, take into account, um, but one thing that's interesting to note is that this psalm, even though it feels like such an essential part of the high holiday season, is really has really only been recited for the past two centuries or so. Maybe not even that. It's it's a custom that gained traction in the 19th century that is now seemingly an essential part um, of our, uh, our, our service, um, which I find, one, that's one thing I find uh, really compelling about it, is that, it, that there seemed to be some reason and some need for a psalm to speak to us in this time. Um, so we're going to take uh, a look at it, and um, I think we'll, we'll see that the psalm is very challenging, <laughs> Uh, it is not exactly straightforward. Um, I'm gonna we're gonna I'm gonna share some some comments as we go from uh, this great book from this great series, My People's Prayer Book. And every comment is like the wording is difficult here. Not sure what this actually means, um, which is just is is interesting. So built into the psalm, there are a lot of contrasts. There are um, maybe a number of paradoxes. There are some places where we're not sure. What the context is exactly? Is it about warfare? Is it about moral struggling? Is it about um, you know pers- issues with with justice and, and personal justice? There's a number of different themes that play out here, um, and uh, we will uh, explore some of them. But before we do, before we kind of dive into the text, um, I just want to I I, I want to put forward one of the the common a couple of the common explanations. Um, for what is the deal with us reciting this psalm in the season. Um, so the, the first one it comes from the first line. So the first line is, Lidavid, uh, presumably a psalm of David. Adonai ori vishi mimi ira. Adonai is my light and my help. Whom shall I fear? And um, there's a midrash in Vayikra Rabbah, in Leviticus Rabbah, um, there's a number of different rabbis trying to explain this psalm as it connects to um, Aaron entering the temple. So in this midrash, it's really starting with the Aaron entering the temple for Yom Kippur, um, going into the Holy of Holies, and they bring one. They bring this um, this psalm as their kind of connecting text. They love to bring texts together and find things in the text we're looking at from a different place in the Torah. Um, so that's one thing. What, already we have the connection to Yom Kippur. But the Midrash that really does it is 
Um, so the Rabbanan, all the Rabbanan, Patrin Karab Rosh Hashanah Yoma Kippurin. So the Rabbanan explained uh, this verse as as being about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Ori is the word my light. Berosh Hashanah, God is my light. Berosh Hashanah, Vishi, my help, my deliverance. Biyom Kippurim. So it's it's a beautiful, simple, uh, concise drash that breaks up just even the first line of this thing is that God is my light. Perhaps there's some kind of hope, some kind of light springing into existence in the new year on Rosh Hashanah, and then my salvation on Yom Kippur, where we're forgiven for our sins, we hope. Um, God willing, please. Um, and then at that point, Mimira, who do I have to fear? Since, since this is the progression of the season that we're going to see. And then a little bit further down, um, it mentions a part we're going to read in more detail, which is uh, my enemies and those who besiege me, right? Who are these enemies and those who besiege me? And one of the interpretations this Midrash brings is is related to gematria, which is fun. Um, so, Tsaraivoy Vaili, which is my enemies and, and, um, and others who are trying to hurt me, Bimotachama shalosh me'ot shishim v'chamisha yom. So, the, the days of the year... The days of the sun, the solar year, are 365. Thank you so much for that, Midrash. Um, we know science now. Uh, and then they take that, and why are they mentioning this at all? Hasatan gematria shalosh me'ot shishim ve'arba'ah. Hasatan, the accuser, um, in gematria... The, the, the letters form the number or, uh, rep, or have the value of the number 364. Okay, so this is just great. Get ready for this. Shekol yemot ha-shanah satan mekatreg uvayom ha-kipporim eno mekatreg. So all the days of the year, the accuser is able to do his job and accuse us and make us look bad and talk to God and say, look how terrible, terribly they're behaving. But on Yom Kippur, Satan cannot do that, is not able to. Amru Yisrael ifnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu alai machaneh. So Israel says before the Holy Blessed One, if you will set up a camp against me, right, Satan, shel, shel Simael, which is another name for Satan, Lo yirali bi shiv tachtani, right? That I am, I my heart will not be afraid because I have uh, security in knowing that God is with me. So that's the the traditional um, midrashic interpretation there that we have in the psalm. The first line is our progression: Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and we have this narrative of of Satan not being able to to accuse us of that one day of the year. Okay, so, great. So that's the traditional understanding, but I want us to come to our own understanding of what this psalm, why, why do it, right? Because this midrash is great, but it's not enough, I think. I think there had to be something more to it, and not just this one line. We have a whole rest of this poem. Um, we, need to, we need to find what's in there. Why, why did this psalm um, appeal to... to uh, rabbinic figures and to people throughout the years, throughout the last couple centuries. Okay, so who wants to start reading um, just the, maybe the first uh, 
number of sentences. Let's say maybe even until the transliteration um, in English. <laughs> We're on page 59. Oh, sorry. Page 59 in your Sidur, if you haven't found it already. Page 59 in Lev Shalem. That's an important detail. Anyone want to read for us? Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Maybe someone on Zoom should read. Does someone on Zoom want to read? Or we can have microphone phone. Okay, we can still bring you in, uh, Zoom folks, uh, you know, in the next few lines. Go ahead, Jackie. From the beginning. Yeah, from the beginning. A Psalm of David. Adonai is my late and my help. Whom shall I fear? Adonai is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evil people assail me to devour my flesh, my enemies and those who besiege me, it is they who stumble and fall. Should an armed camp be arrayed against me, my heart would show no fear. If they were to go to war against me, of this I would be sure. One thing I ask of Adonai, this is what I seek, to dwell in the house of God all the days of my life, to behold God's peacefulness, and to pray in God's sanctuary. Great. Thank you. Um, so, so far... What is, what's the tone of the psalm? Um, what, what is the, uh, the person speaking? Um, how are they feeling? Um, what's, what's their, uh, you know, what's their mood? Did you have something? Ah, great. So she said, um, confident. Remind me your name one more time. Denise. I'll get it. I'll get it, Denise. Denise said, um, confident. Great. Yeah. They're, it's very confident. Whom shall I dread? Whom shall I fear? Um, you know, everyone's going to stumble and fall. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid. He says actually no fear multiple times, or they say, um, and I'll be sure, right? If I ever go to war against me, I'm sure. Um, and it's interesting because it says of this, I will be sure. And one of the things in, uh, my people's prayer book is says, well, what's this? <laughs> um, it's a little unclear. It's, it could be, you know, I don't know, because the next line isn't introducing anything that you can be sure of. It's asking another question. So then, what about this um, next line about, this is the, the famous line that, you know, often is sung, one thing I ask about it night, this is what I seek, to dwell in the house of God all the days of my life, to behold God's peacefulness and pray in God's sanctuary. Is that sound, does that sound similar in some ways to the confidence there, or a little bit, yes? Hey. Sure. Um, he's having a bargain with God. Ah, yes. Then right. to whatever. Yeah. Great, great, great. Um, so, so she was saying that um, that th- this is the this is the point where a bargain is being struck. That inherent in the "I will not have fear," "I'm not afraid" is fear, right? I mean, he thinks the lady doth protest too much. Uh, there's people keep saying, "I'm I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid." Is often okay. Really, you're not afraid. I'm not sure I buy it. I was so happy to, right, exactly. And then the, and then this bargain, I just asked for this one thing, which you might note is not just one thing. <laughs> um, you know, very Jewish. Like, I just want this one favor, and maybe another one after, you know, we'll talk about it later. Um, so, so uh, great, great. So they're starting to s- kind of see cracks in this feeling of, of confidence, this feeling of, God is with me, God is here, God is on my side. You're, you even see from the beginning, maybe from the point where it says, I will have no fear, that maybe there's fear built into this. Okay, so who'd like to um, continue just the next chunk until there's like a very small space in the middle of the page? 
Um, anyone read? Or on Zoom? People can unmute? Or maybe they can't? I don't know. Oh, you can't. I'm sorry. Well, yes. Okay, great. There. I can just give it. You got it? In a time of calamity, you would hide me in your sukkah, enfold me in the secret recesses of your tent, and you raise me up to a stronghold. Now my head is raised high above my enemies round about, and I come with offerings amidst trumpet blasts to God's tent, chanting and singing praise to Adonai. Excellent. Great. Um, so what's, what's, the, um, what's the, the, the feeling here that, that the author is, is bringing forth? Is it similar or different? Is, um, is there some transformation after this bargain that he's starting to strike? Anybody got it? Sure. Yes. Like, like after, especially after the centurion. Yes. Like tend again. Yeah. Um, Yes. Great. Great. So, so Julia was pointing out um, that there's a lot of language of uh, of abode, of of homes, Sukkot, sanctuaries, um, and Stevie made a little note, which I think is important um, as well, that house is actually first. Then sanctuary, then sukkah, then tent, and uh, the the, the Moxor, and maybe even the sidor for uh, this sidor, but the Moxor Lev Shalem mentions that the move is from security, uh, just in the mentions of these abodes, from secure home to seeking sanctuary to sukkah, which is more vulnerable, to tent, which is even more vulnerable. Um, and, and that the move of the psalm is towards this breakdown of the confidence that, we, that the author was so, um, had so strongly, held so strongly. Um, and I think there's, there's another nod, another reason why people say that the psalmist said traditionally is that it explicitly mentions the move to the sukkah. <laughs> and that this is the season, we're going to be continuing to read this as we're in our Sukkot and after we've stopped dwelling in them um, as well for a couple of days. Um, so, so there is also built into this a kind of nod to the season. Any other uh, thoughts on this little section? Great. Anyway, great. Okay, so let's move on. So I think that it's really good that Julia mentioned that because I think the move from, these, from the homes outside into more vulnerability is, the, is right, um, coincides right with the next section of this song. Um, so who wants to read it till the end? Oh, great. Okay, Rabbi Shop is going to take us into vulnerability. Adonai, hear my voice as I cry out. Be gracious to me and answer me. It is you of whom my heart said, seek my face. It is your presence I seek, Adonai. Do not hide your face from me. Do not act with anger toward me. You have always been my help. Do not forsake me. Do not abandon me, my God, my deliverer. Though my father and mother abandon me, Adonai will gather me in. Show me your way, Adonai, and lead me on a straight path despite those arrayed against me. Do not hand me over to those who besiege me, for false witnesses who breathe hatred have risen against me. If only I could trust that I would see God's goodness in the land of the living, place your hope in Adonai. Be strong and take courage and place your hope in Adonai. Thank you. Excellent. So very different, uh, very different energy here. What do we have? What are we looking at in this part of, of the song? 
Yes, Rachel. Ah. Uh-huh. Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, no. So Rachel was saying that um, this that, that not only do we go to the tents, but um, we're, it actually says, my head is raised high above my enemies. Now you're, you know, that may sound triumphant, but it's actually not necessarily the most uh, safe position. You know, higher is good, but you're no longer in any shelter. Um, and that that is kind of a segue to um, to what we're to what we're seeing with this crying out. Um, okay, other other thoughts. Oh, and also I love the idea that that her choral teacher said, "Vulnerability is being naked in the rain." That's such a I love that. So to to sum up, um, at the beginning there was this certainty that when something bad happens, God's going to be there for me, but. This part of the psalm puts us right in the thick of difficulties, of suffering, um, and notably, it's a very different experience, that it's a, it's a crying out experience, and it's not a, well, when that, once that happens, I'll deal with it experience. Um, so, so within this, there is um, a, a feeling of disillusionment, perhaps, um, of, of Distance, which we're going to talk about um, a little bit more tonight, that comes about when you're actually in the experience. That there is a sense of trust um, that we we want to have in God, and sometimes we're holding on so hard to that. And when something happens, um, and you're actually in the thick of it, that trust is not it's not as easy, and it's not always um, there. I think that that's really important. I think it relates to every year and, and to, to you know every moment of our of our lives. Um, but it, I think it relates a lot to this past number of years. Is that we we naturally and healthily have a sense that the world is a place that shouldn't have global pandemics and that we should be able to meet together and to gather together and pray and sing and eat and hang out and spend time you know that that is our nature uh, but then when something happens uh, that kind of flips things upside down that trust that you had in such a such an important thing kind of the ground that you were standing on gets pulled out from under you um, that's a different experience and you begin to cry out and I think it also is kind of a mirror for we start the year after Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and we're like we're cleansed we did it we're great. We're going to be great this year. First two months, going to Minion, you know, doing Tzedakah, you know, being really nice to people, you know. Oh, I'm, I, I shouldn't have said that. I really apologize, and you mean it, because you just don't want to accumulate all the bad habits again. But that as the year and the reality strikes, we get broken down, and we start to cry out. And it's interesting, because you you really want the order of, of the psalm, where you know from this break, we want that to be the beginning, and then to end with, with trust. Um, but the truth is, the order is reversed, and uh, and and maybe that's a good thing because maybe uh, that confidence that we have is 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 a show sometimes, and that the real vulnerability is is the truth, and that's what. That's what we need is to be able to cry out to God. Um, yes, Stevie. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I think that 
Yeah, I just want to point out one of the double meanings of here is Horani, because um, the, the verse before, right, because my father and my mother have abandoned me, God will gather me. Um, and then Horani, show me your ways, God, which could also be, be my parent. Right? Yes. Horani, Thank you. Parent. Yeah. Um, so there's a great double double meaning um, in this text, which is that even though my parents abandon me, uh, God will 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 uh, gather me in, and then Horim Adonai Darkecha, teach me your ways, and Horim our parents in Hebrew. So there's a play on, and it is is it is a fantastic poetic play um, on on the teaching that your parents do. Um, and also that we've just spoken about God being there for you if, if you're, you know, should your parents abandon you. Um, and I'll just end with just this last piece, which is we, we, we do have these last two lines, right, where it ends with hope in God, strengthen your heart, right, and hope in God, right? <laughs> Larry's shaking his head. Larry, uh, you're like, oh, it's, it's a cheap trick or something. It's added on. It's added on. This was not part of the original song. Right. So so there's, you know, at least a historical theory that the kaveh is added on, um, that it really should end with, you know, this uncertainty of if only I could trust that I could see God's goodness in the land of the living, and it just ends like that. You know, that would be, you know, kind of a reality of vulnerability. But I'll also say that it's possible that we can see in the vulnerability the hope, right? Without feeling the truth of the situation, we're not able to to rectify it and find hope again. Because hope isn't something that's static. It's something that we're, we have to reach for. And we have to come from, you know, sometimes a place of, of being broken down. And it's also interesting, just the last thing, is that everything is in the first person, including if I could trust, I would see God in living. Until the last line, which is, place your hope in Adonai. Be strong and take courage and place your hope in Adonai. And one view of that, Larry, do you have, you wanted to take, take a second? Sure. To link you with this morning right. about cycles and time. Mm. So I see this as the bravado of someone who in the past has faced problems and he's over, he says to God, you've been there for me. Yeah. But then the, the pivot here, the right. is I'm not sure this time you're going to be here. Right. This is a new year. Last year you helped me out. Mm. Are you going to help me out this year if you want to apply it to, to the year? Yeah. And the, the, the author is uncertain that he's going to succeed in this new cycle. Yeah, I love that. I love that, that, that the, the Larry was talking about the idea that the fear of a new year, we, we, we're not certain it's going to be the same as last year. That this this psalm is giving us a little bit of stakes. We used to call that in acting. You have to have like real stakes that something, you, you got to know what might happen if you don't achieve whatever you're achieving. And so rather than assume it's going to be the same as last year, Rajan and Kippur, we're good, um, there's, uh, you know, there, there um, we, we have to really build the stakes into the situation. But I'll also say that it changes to second person, which is saying that some, possibly someone else is talking and saying, I'm there for you. Like, I know it's not easy, but 
have, you know, place your hope in Adonai. It's not, and you know, maybe that's not great friendly advice, but there is a sense that there's someone else there caring. Um, so we'll leave it there for now. Sorry, Stevie, because we're over time. But uh, just, just say that the show far also is just connected to strong and then broken and then even strong. Excellent. Shofar goes from strong to broken to even stronger. So that might be the the movement that we're looking at. Thank you so much. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.